Playground mysteries and rumors were always a big part of Pokemon. The fact that one of them, Mew, turned out to be true threw fuel on the fire and led to the game's enormous success. In the wake of this, more and more tall tales spread like a virus. Everyone knew some outrageously complex trick to supposedly catch Togepi or Ho-Oh in the Gem 1 games. When early pictures of Meryl from the second generation appeared, stories of how to acquire Pika Blue were everywhere. Websites were dedicated to the so-called Poke Gods that were more powerful than Mewtwo and more complex to add to your team than the most obscure of Dark Souls items. The most prevalent rumor of all pertained to a mysterious Pokemon called Missingno. And the most interesting thing about this one was that it was true. I'm Luke Summerhaze, and I love Missingno. As a child, conspiracies and mysteries always fascinated and terrified me in equal measure. I was obsessed with the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot, alien abductions and UFOs, and all manner of unknowable, terrifying things that exist only on the fringes of truth. This extended to my gaming experiences as well. Once I'd beaten my rival and become Pokemon Champion, I was far less interested in completing a Pokedex or building a competitive PvP team than I was in chasing down the obscure and mysterious. While today I'd list my favorite of the original Pokemon as Cubone and Marowak, once upon a time I might very well have said missing them. In Viridian City, in Pokemon Red and Blue, there is an old man who, when given some coffee to cure his hangover, can teach the player how to catch a Pokemon. If one watches this demonstration and then immediately flies to Cinnabar Island and surfs along the eastern coast, they may encounter Missigno. Missigno can appear as either a grey block, which resembles a tetronimo made of discarded pixels, or using the sprites of the Lavender Town Ghost or the Pewter Museum Fossils. The Grey Block and the Ghost are the most common. Missingno, along with other Pokémon which can appear during this sequence, will often be at a level higher than 100. Just encountering it will increase the number of whatever item the player has in slot 6 by 128 often exploited by kids back in the day to get extra Master Balls and Rare Candies. And catching it can cause temporary graphical glitches and permanent weirdness in the Hall of Fame. Particularly if you encounter one of the versions with a proper sprite, Missingno can seem like a real and deliberate 152nd Pokémon. It has a name, moves and artwork, and can be battled and caught like anything else. If the version you encounter is a clearly messed up image, or has a name made of jumbled characters and mess, 
it is more obviously a glitch. Either way, it becomes clear that this isn't supposed to be here as soon as one catches it. The identity of the player who first encountered Missing Note has been lost to history, but the earliest mention most sources can identify is a 1999 issue of Nintendo Power, warning players against catching the glitch Pokemon for fear of erasing their save data. As far as I know, this can't actually happen. For myself, I initially followed the mystery on the old website TR's Rocket, where Team Rocket enthusiast Mandy Nader had been blogging about her own experiences and cataloguing stories, research and speculation from other players. I actually contributed a little myself, briefly giving my dad false hope that I might one day pursue a useful career in something technical. And slowly, the mystery was unraveled. Far from the rumours about Pokegods and secret endgame legendary monsters, the truth about Missing Noah is depressingly banal. It boils down to three main things. Firstly, the area in which the player surfs at the edge of Cinnabar Island is programmed to have wild Pokemon encounters, but as the game still thinks this is part of the town, it has no specific wild Pokemon assigned to it. Encounters here will be the same as the last location the player visited. For example, flying straight to Cinnabar Island after a trip to the Safari Zone will mean Safari Zone Pokemon can appear here. Secondly, when the player watches the old man's Pokemon catching demonstration, the text which would usually say the player's name is replaced with the words Old Man. To achieve this, the game hides the player name data, where it would usually hold the data for which Pokemon appear. When the player then goes to Cinnabar, their name is still hiding in this slot. Different letters and characters correspond to various Pokemon at various levels. Lastly, while there are 151 unique Pokemon in the game, the Game Boy cartridge has 255 spaces for every variable. The programmers slipped some filler data in these extra slots, or if you prefer, missing numbers. Missing though can tell us some interesting things. For example, its typing is sometimes bird, presumably a precursor to flying. Other times, it can evolve into Kangaskhan, which some take as evidence that there was once an evolutionary family planned for that monster. It was never deliberately included in the game, and so it hasn't returned in any of the remakes, and it cannot be transferred up to later games. Still, Missing No does have a certain legacy in the hearts and minds of players. Due to their unique nature and the lack of easily obtainable information, the original Pokémons had a mysterious quality. They felt like little windows into a whole other world, and glitches like Missing No let us believe there were still more secrets to be found in that world. This desire to investigate has informed my gaming preferences ever since. 
I seek that kind of world-building and storytelling which asks more of the audience. Rare in linear media, but common in games. It's why I love Dark Souls, Monster Hunter, even something like Splatoon. I like being a virtual archaeologist, stepping into a world and teasing out its secrets by inhabiting it. It's why I love pouring through the Pokedex and discovering the lore of weird and wonderful Pokemon. It's why I devote my time and energy to nonsense like this. Music for Luke Loves Pokemon is by Jonathan Cromie. Artwork for the show is by Katie Groves. If you also enjoy nonsense like this, there are many ways you can support the show. The most obviously helpful thing you can do is to support me on Patreon. I do the podcast for my own amusement, but it does cost money for me to host so many hours of audio on SoundCloud, and even just a dollar a month is a big help. If you can't help out in that way, I totally understand, but please consider helping to spread the word instead. Rate and review on iTunes, tell your Pokemon-loving friends, or get in touch with the show on Twitter or Facebook at LukeLovesPKMN. And if nothing else, it means the world to me just to know you're out there listening. Next week, we'll be taking a look at a few of the Generation 1 Pokemon who received new forms in Generation 8, but who don't make sense to discuss in whole episodes of their own. And after that, it's on to Generation 2. I hope you'll stick around for the ride. I love missing, though. And remember, I love you too.